This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to continue with the music of the bassist Scott LaFaro. Specifically, I'd like to focus on late 1959 into 1960 and then very, very early 1961. It was a short period of time, but in this probably 14 or 15 month period, Scott LaFaro played bass with a number of very important musicians and very important groups. We're going to start with a recording from 1959 that was made with a very famous jazz clarinetist from that period. Not that well-known today, but back in the day, he was was very well-known. His name was Tony Scott. In his group in mid-1959, he was featuring a young drummer by the name of Paul Motien, pianist uh, Bill Evans, who at that time was also playing with Miles Davis. And this is where Scott LaFaro first had an opportunity to record with Bill Evans and uh, Paul Motin on drums. So we're going to go to a 1959 recording made in actually October of 1959 from an album called Sung Heroes. And this is an interesting track. It's a trio track with just Evans playing piano, Tony Scott on clarinet, LaFaro on bass. And we're going to skip over the first part and just go to the part where you can hear the duo between the clarinetist Tony Scott and the bassist Scott LaFaro. It's a wonderful recording. You can really hear the clarity because there's only two of them playing. And this is called Blues for an African Friend. So that recording was made in October of 1959. In December of 1959, Bill Evans recorded his first trio record with Scott LaFaro and Paul Motien. So about a month and a half later, he goes into the studio with the trio. Now, I don't know the exact details of how they actually met. I think um, Bill Evans and Scott LaFaro had actually met in 1956 or 57 and had known about each other. But this was the first time where they actually formed a group and went into the studio with the intent of recording a trio record of their music. Actually, these they went to the studio and made a record called Portrait in Jazz, the Bill Evans Trio. It is a monumental album. Um, there's some great tracks on it. We're going to listen to two tracks from this that are quite unusual for the period. The first one is called What Is This Thing Called Love? In this particular track, you're going to hear Scott and Bill um, play in a very conversational manner. Then they're going to play in a more conventional uh, manner when the, with the bass player walking and the, and the drummer playing straight time. But let's just check out a little snippet of what is this thing called love and really focus on this new and innovative approach to rhythm section playing. Thank you. 
So the way they played the song was the first part, Bill Evans and Scott LaFauer are engaged in almost like a jousting match between in, in terms of the way they're playing the melody. Scott is not playing um, a strict walking style, which was common practice for that period. He's playing um, sometimes on the downbeat. He's like he's dancing around the melody. And of course, and Bill is feeding him all these little snippets of the melody, and they're just having this little conversation. The middle part of the song is more con- conventional, where, where he plays in a walking style. Walking means he's playing one note per pulse, ding, 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 ding. And then he goes back to the A section, and, they, and then they engage in this kind of musical jousting. And now we're going to check out the first chorus they play together. Now listen to what happens now. This is very interesting. that chorus, the drummer drops out on what's called the A section or the, or the beginning section of the song, and Scott and Bill are just engaged in this little dialogue. Uh, the bass player, Scott, is not playing in the traditional walking style. When this record came out, it, it really raised a lot of eyebrows because bass players really were not playing in that manner. You know, there's no law passed by Congress that says a bass player has to play in a walking style, and Scott is really liberating the bass from its traditional role, much as Jimmy Blanton had done in the 1930s where bass players weren't supposed to play solo. So Scott, again, is, is, is raising the bar and just showing the possibilities of what the bass is capable of. And Bill Evans' style of piano playing was perfectly matched to that, where he would leave him space. I mean, it was just a wonderfully balanced group. Let's not overlook Paul Motien. We always think about, you know, just the bass player and the pianist being the stars of the group. But Motien was a wonderful, is a wonderful drummer. I mean, he can play in some parts of this record. He sounds like Philly Joe with like a volume volcano and other times he's very very much in the background but he was capable of that so let's not overlook his playing the next track we're going to listen to from that same record is called autumn leaves and this is the piece that most people refer to as um, really changing the rules of how rhythm sections function this is really a monumental track so we're going to check out um, some snippets of the autumn leaves track from portrait and jazz let's start at the beginning Thank you. 
I remember hearing this record for the first time in the 1970s, and, and I grew up um, listening to the Oscar Peterson trio with Ray Brown and Ed Thickman. My father was a professional bassist, and his idol was, you know, bassists like um, Ray Brown and George DeVivier. Those, those were, the, you know, the, the traditional bass players that I grew up listening to. When I heard this recording, I thought, what's the bass player doing? Why isn't he not playing a walking style? Well, LaFaro and, and Evans really had, had almost graduated from that traditional style of playing. And, of course, you have to remember that Evans had been playing with, with Miles Davis, who always encouraged musicians to kind of step out of the box. So... This period from 1958 to 60 was such an exciting time in jazz, and, and this trio was, was really very much at the forefront in terms of the way they functioned and, and interacted with each other. This recording really set a new benchmark for the way rhythm sections would function, and all most subsequent rhythm sections throughout the 60s and 70s have really modeled themselves in, in one way or another after this kind of interactive approach to playing. Later, in 1959, Scott LaFarre was playing with another young pianist by the name of Steve Kuhn and a drummer by the name of uh, Pete LaRocca. And they went into a studio and made a demo recording that I don't know if it's commercially available, but I've been able to locate the tracks. And on this particular record with this trio, um, they recorded Miles Davis's composition, So What?, which it was recorded in 1959. So in late 1960, Scott LaFaro, Steve Kuhn, Pete LaRocca go in the studio and record a series of standards. It's a very nice record, but I think it's worth it just to hear Scott LaFaro play the bass line that was made famous by Paul Chambers on that kind of blue record. So let's just check out the opening to uh, LaFaro playing So What with Steve Kuhn. Late in December of 1960, Scott LaFaro was involved in one of the most important records of that year, and I'm referring to Ornette Coleman's album Free Jazz, Free Improvisation. It's a double quartet record, and it really was groundbreaking for its day. It's a free-form improvisation lasting 37 minutes, and within the body of the work, there are many duos and trios, and there are certain periods when both quartets are playing at the same time. And there's a really interesting part of the track towards the end when Charlie Hayden, the other bassist, and Scott are involved in about a four- or five-minute bass duo. Scott LaFaro is on the left channel. And his playing, I believe, has, has greater definition than Charlie Hayden's. He tends to play in the higher register, and Hayden is playing in the lower register. But if you check out the, the con musical conversation they have, really, it's just a, an extension of what was going on in the Bill Evans trio, that kind of conversational style. So for LaFaro to move from Evans into the free jazz record of 1960 is really not such a stretch. It really makes a lot of sense when you think about those recordings we had just listened to.
We're going to close the show with another Bill Evans recording. This one is called Explorations. This was recorded in February of 1961, and we're going to listen to a great standard entitled Sweet and Lovely. And on this particular track, I believe they have really refined the art of musical conversation. I mean, it's great on autumn leaves and what is this thing called love, but there's a certain predictable nature in that the A sections of the song are the duos, and then and the middle section of the B section, the drummer comes in and plays time. On this particular track, you can really feel that they've completely refined the art of musical conversation. This is a wonderful track, Sweet and Lovely, Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia.